All right, I will say good morning. Begin by thanking our sponsors, Naftali and Chavi Tilson, from Eretz for dedicating all the Shirm and Drush shows to this month, our Tamil Torah sponsors. Naftali thanking his Chavar Benjamin Wolf for introducing him to the Dafyomi. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless us all to finish the Dafyomi cycle together and celebrate with the Siyam in Eretz Yisrael Bekarov. To thank Baruch Marina Dubin, our Talmud Torah sponsors for Sivan. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu continue to protect our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, our children learning in Eretz Yisrael. And Mirat Hashem, may our children complete their year of learning with a deep connection to the land and to Hashem's Torah. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Alan and Shari Steinmetz, commemoration of the architect of Alan's mother, Chaya Basra Mayer, to Jeff and Debbie Schwartz for dedicating the learning this week for a successful procedure and continued refuah for Jeff. And our day of learning sponsor, Bradley Bender, in honor of the th- commemoration of the fifth yard site of his father, Louis Bender, Louis Bender, label Ben Ruvain, Zichron Levracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama Sahab and Aliyah, the family Zain Nechama, all of those who need a refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. All right, Jabal say good morning. Let us begin. Very exciting. We have a new parak ahead of us today. And we are continuing in the Avoda of Yom Kippur. So we're picking up Daf Mem Zayin. 47. So they would take out the kaf and the machta. I will say kaf, you know, which it's often translated as a ladle. But it, it, it is a ladle. It's a big spoon, a big, deep spoon, which I guess is called the ladle. Good. So they took out the ladle and the machta. I will say machta is the shovel. Now, we're going to discuss why the Mishnah is bringing up the shovel again. We already spoke about the shovel in the last Mishnah. We'll discuss that. But Pashas, remember again, what was the shovel used for? Right? Coals. Where were the coals taken from? Marocha Kitana, second pyre. Excellent. Good. So remember again, so they took out they took out the kaf and the machta. They took out the utensils. So we'll say we're going to see. So you would take for Ketores, for Ketores, the shear of the Ketores was a handful. A handful. So we're going to discuss today, by the way, we'll talk about kamitzos, right, by the mincha, and we'll talk about handfuls by the ketoras. So they would take out the ketoras. Again, we'll discuss the mechanics in just a moment, and he would take a handful of it. So what happened? Hagodl figodl. This is interesting. Now, both say, you know, so much of Judaism is about shiurim, and shiurim are precise. It's always fascinating when you see a little bit of a, of a subjective shear. So, for example, the shear for ketoras is a handful. How much, how much is a handful? How much is a handful? It depends. Right? What does it depend on? The size of your hands. So the Mishnah says, Okay, you know what? So year to year, I mean, hopefully it wasn't the new coin every year, you know, but, but again, but, what, but depending on the size of the coin's hands was the size of the handful. So interestingly enough, the handful is a subjective shear of Kitores. And then the Kohen Gadol would walk with the ladle in his left hand and the shovel in his right hand. Um, yeah, shovel on his right hand and, and the ladle on his left hand. Correct. So it says the Imara. Mahta. Tanile. So I will say, it's interesting that the Mishnah is beginning with a discussion regarding the shovel. We already spoke about the shovel in the previous Mishnah. Machta Tanile. Not alas ha-machta, va'ala l'rosham izbeach, v'chote v'yore. So we already spoke about last Mishnah. He takes the shovel. He goes up to the top of the altar. Remember again on Yom Kippur, he's not switching shovels. He's going up there with the gold shovel, using the gold shovel, long handle, right, to be able to help him out. 
is going to the Marach Kitana. He's taking out coals and he's coming down. Remember again, where does he place the shovel when he comes down? The Rovad Haravi, right? The fourth, really the fourth stair outside of the Heichal. So I already learned this. So why is this being stated again? To which the Gemara says, Hasam Machta de Gechalim. Oh, listen to this. In the last Mishnah, we were speaking about the shovel that was used for the coals, as the Mishnah said. Hacha Machta Diktores. We both said, this is a second shovel. And what was in this shovel? Kitores. Now, what does this mean? The Sanya Hotsiolo Kaf Rekon, Milishkas Hakelim, Umachto Gidusha Shalkitores, Milishkas Base Avatinas. Ah, he'll say, watch this. Now the Gemara fills in the blanks with the procedure. So the procedure went like this they would go to the Lishkas Hakelim, right? The chamber where they used to keep the utensils. They would take out an additional shovel, an additional shovel. What would they do with the additional shovel? They would go to Lishkas Beis Avatinas. So I'll say, remember again, where's Lishkas Beis Avatinas? That is, that is, Nun Aleph, Nun Beis, Nun, Nun Aleph on your sheets over here. Here's Lishkas Beis Avatinas. Good. So Nun Aleph on your sheets. So they also say, so what would happen? Remember again, we learned extensively about the Avatinas family. Remember again, they had the secret to the Gitoras and they did not share, at least initially. Ultimately, again, they did. They were Choser B'Tshuva. But at the end of the day, so, that, so they will say, listen to this. So they would go take a new shovel, a new shovel, go to the Lishkas Beis Avatinas and emerge from that with a shovel full of Kitoras. Now both say, now what happens? So And now both say, now the rest of the Mishnah makes sense. So there are two shovels. One shovel was being handled by the Kohen Gadol, where he went up to get the coals, came down, put that shovel down on the fourth step. They then brought out another shovel filled with Kitores. And what did the Kohen Gadol do with that shovel? That's where he would take the hand. He was, so that shovel was Archie. He would put both hands into, the, into, the, into that shovel. He would cup his hands together emerge with a handful of kitores, and then what would he do with that kitores? Put it where? Into the ladle, into the kaf. So I'll say this is very interesting. So remember, so from the Lishka Sakhilim, two empty utensils were brought out, an empty ladle, an empty shovel. The empty shovel was taken to the Lishkas Beis Avatinas, the Avatinas chamber. There they filled it up with Kitoras. They'd then bring that out to the coin. The coin would take the handful from that shovel and transfer that handful into the ladle. That's what would happen over here. Beautiful. And I'll say again, what was unique about the handful is the handful is exactly that, a handful. Namely that the size of the handful was dependent on the size of the coin. Big hands, small hands, whatever it was, that's what it was. Says the So why do I need the ladle at all on Yom Kippur? Why do I need the ladle? So the Gemara says, So we'll say, again, why not? Why not just, so this is interesting. So the Gemara suggesting is, I understand I need the shovel to go into the base of Atinas to go ahead and bring out the shovel full of Kitores. But we'll say, so understand the process that's happening here. You're go, the coin's going to go ahead. He comes to the shovel with the Kitores. What does he do when he gets to the shovel? What does he do? Takes a handful. Then what does he do? Transfer into the ladle. Then ultimately, again, skipping a couple of steps, what does he do? He, he's going to, when he gets into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, transfer the Kitoras from the ladle back into his hands. We didn't learn this yet. And then he's going to place that on the shovel with the coals. 
So the Gemara says, why don't you just bypass the ladle? In other words, why, why not just have him go ahead, take a handful from the shovel, and go in? Or why, why you, know, you see what's happening over here? You're taking the handful from the shovel, putting it into a ladle, carrying the ladle in, going ahead, and then, and then, and then transferring from the ladle into his hands as Trebosite was we're going to see a Herculean feat. Because remember, you can't spill any of the Ketores. So we're going to discuss this whole thing. The Gemara says, well, why? It's already in his hands. Just go. Just go and do it then. Says the Gemara, listen to this. So the Gemara says, Kaf The Gemara says, I'll tell you why you need the ladle. Because it's impossible to do it without the ladle. Why? What, what, what should we do? say, what should you do? When going into the Kodesh HaKadosh, should the Kohen Gadol make two trips? In other words, should he first take in the coals? See, remember again, when it goes into the Kodesh HaKadosh, remember again, we saw in the beginning of the Masechta, the major machlokis on Yom Kippur between the Tzdukim and the Prussian was what? Between the Tzdukim and the regular Jews was what? How to do the Ketoros. According to the Tzdukim, when did you put the Ketoros on the coals? Before you went in, right? And according to halacha, when do you put it in? When you go in. So so remember again, so obviously we're going to pass in that the Kohen Gadol is going to walk in with coals and with ketores, and he's only going to put the ketores on the coals inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So the Gemara says, well, if he's, if he's holding a handful of, of, ash, uh, of ashes, of ketores, so I guess what he could do is, he could first go in, put in the coals, come back out, get the ketores, and go back in. The problem with that is the Torah really only allows for one entry into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That's it, it's Hava Achos. The Torah says you're allowed to go in, and the Torah doesn't allow for repeated entries and exits into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, to which the Torah says he can bring it once, doesn't say he can bring it twice. So Nishka, so, okay, so let's, let's advance another possibility. Nishkale, Liktoris Bechofnov, so maybe you'll say, go ahead and take the ketores in your hands and maybe balance the shovel with the coals on top of your arms. If you can imagine, right, you have the ketores in your hands, go ahead and go ahead and put and lay the shovel across your arms. Says the Gemara, okay, let's say so. So, okay, let's play this out. Well, say, let's say you manage to pull that off. And the Kohen Gadol gets into the Kodesh HaKadoshim with the Ketoris in his cupped hands and the shovel essentially laying across his arms. So now what does he do? So maybe what he'll do is he could take the shovel in his teeth, right? He could, he could take the shovel in his mouth. They have a good dental plan in, in, in the basin like also. Right? And then I will say, so what should he do? Take this, so okay, you, you can pull this off. You can go ahead and take the shovel in your teeth and then put it down somewhere and then put the kitores ultimately onto the shovel. So the Gemara says, come on. So again, you wouldn't act that way in front of a human king, taking stuff in your mouth and putting it down. You're going to do that in front of the Rebano Shalom. Hilchach lo Efshar. So we'll say, this is, this, is, this is so fascinating. Therefore, the Gemara says, essentially, there's no other way to accomplish everything but to put the Ketores into a ladle. That's the only way. And since it's impossible to do it any other way, 
We go ahead and we kind of fall back on what we saw by the Nesim. We'll say, what, what does it say by this? We just had this Parshish Naso. What does it say by the Nesim? Kaf achos melea kitores. One, one spoonful, one ladleful of kitores. So therefore, again, just like the Nesim used the kaf to use the ladle, so too we use the ladle as well. And I will say, now what's riveting about this? Everything that we've learned until now, when it comes to the Avod of Yom Kippur, is so highly scripted. Right? Nothing is left to the imagination. And isn't it incredible that the Kitores, which is by far the most significant avoda of the day, the only avoda of the entire year that is done in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies, the holiest place in the entire world, there's like this piece that's unscripted. It's fascinating, right? So again, the Gemara essentially says, listen, we know we have to build in a ladle because there's no other, really? The Shalom, you scripted every single other piece of this, every piece of this, but yet now there's one piece of the Torah that's not scripted. So Kobi Meir who's trying to teach us two lessons. Lesson number one, lesson number one is that sometimes in life, the script isn't there, and you have to figure out what the Ratzon Hashem is. See, I both say, there are times in life where the Ratzon Hashem is clear. We all know God wills us to be here in the morning, right? Sometimes I don't will myself to be here in the morning, right? But it is the Ratzon Hashem. It is the will of God. That, that, that's, that's an easy one. And then other times in life, the Ratzon Hashem is not so clear. What does that Kaddish Baruch Hu want? Sometimes the script is set. Sometimes the script is written. And sometimes, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want is incredibly difficult to figure out. But that becomes the job of a Yid, that becomes the job of a Jew, to try to figure out what the Ratzon Hashem is, even in those unscripted moments of life. That's Aleph. Bez, another lesson, is that even within the script, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to find our own individuality. I think I've mentioned this before, the Belzer Rebbe, Zechitzadik said, that in the Pasuk in Az Yashir we say, This is my God and I will exalt him, the God of my father, and I will lift him up, or I will praise him. So the Belzer Rebbe says that a Jew has two relationships. I have Eloke Avi, the God of my father. That's scripted God. Right? That's, 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 that's scripted God. That's the Kaddish Baruch Hu, that, that my father had him, my grandfather had him, my great-grandfather had him. That's scripted religion. And then there's Zekeli. Then there's my individuality. What's my unique relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So here the Kohen Gadol is going in for one of the moments of the greatest amount of spiritual intimacy. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Kohen Gadol, I want you to follow the script, but I also want you to bring you. Right? I also want you to bring a little bit of that individuality. I also want you to bring a little bit of that unscriptedness. Careful with the unscriptedness. But a little bit of the unscriptedness. Right? You can't go too far off the reservation on this. Right? So I want you to say, it's an incredible yisod. The holiest avoda on the day in which everything is so carefully choreographed and scripted, yet such a profound detail, kind of the Gemara backs into it. There's no other choice, so we have to use the ladle. Again, teaching us, number one, that the most difficult things in life are to try to figure out what the Ratzon Hashem is in the unscripted areas of life. And lesson number two is that, yes, each of us has the script that we have to follow, but we also have to try to write a little bit of our own personal narrative in our relationship with Ribbon Sha'olam as well. Incredible. Says the Gemara, So also listen to this. This is very interesting. So the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol, 
walks in, walks in with the machta, the shovel in his right hand, and the ladle in his left hand. So the Gemara is very bothered by this. Yitziva ba'ara vigiyura bishmei shmaya. So what this literally means, a yitziva is a citizen. Right, so a citizen is going to be on the ground, and the giura, the foreigner, is in the heavens. What it's saying is like this, is that, is that the ketores is more important than the coals. So if anything, what should be in the right hand? The ketores. Ketores should be in the right hand, and coals should be in the left hand. So the Gemara says it's like giving more importance to the immigrant, right, to the foreigner, than it is over the... This is not a political statement, by the way. So I just want to be clear. as Gemara, right? So, so the, the idea over here is we're, we're, giving, we're giving greater precedence to the, to the foreigner, to the, to the ger, right, to the, to the visitor, than we are ultimately to the citizen. What's going on over here? To which the Gemara says, there's a utilitarian reason. Zuma ruba v'zumu atas. We'll say, there's a different reason. The coals are heavier. So it makes sense to use the dominant hand. I will say, what happens if the coin goes a lefty? It's a trick question. Klein Gadol can't do the avod if he's a lefty, right? Being a lefty is a is a psul, is a psul for the for the kuda. Again, you could learn, you could learn to use your, you could lose, you could learn to use your right hand. But Lamai said, if he's left dominant, he would not go ahead and do this. In any event, the Gemara says he goes ahead and Dafka carries the coals in the right hand. Only because, again, it's just from a utilitarian perspective, just because the calls are heavier. Now, we'll say, listen to this. I won't say it's not necessarily true. We'll say you could come up with a situation where the guitarist is just as heavy. How? How can you have a situation like that? Big-handed Cohen. So the Gemara says, We're going to talk about this in just a moment. Uh, why? But you could have a situation where the guitarist is just as heavy. But you could have a situation where the guitarist is just as heavy. Those are big hands, right? If the guitarists are just as heavy as the coals, the example is there was a coin god like this, Rabbi Yishmael ben Kimchis. So the Gemara says, still, you would carry the coals in the right hand. Why? Zuchama v'zutsunana. So you remember again, it's hot coals. It's smoldering coals. So you really do, there's like a security concern over here. You do have to be careful. So the Gemara therefore says, whether it's because, I would venture to say that 99% of the time, the coals were heavier than the, than the Ketores. But even in the off chance that that was not the case, the coals were hot, the Ketores was not, and therefore, Halacha Lamaisi, you go ahead and carry the coals in the stronger hand. Now, Bosai, the Gemara just mentioned Kirby Shmuel and Kimchis as an example of someone who had uh, very large hands. He was a coin godel. So, so listen to this. Amru Allah Rabbi Shmuel ben Kimchis, she'yechulfein arba'as kabin b'meloch hafnar. Bosai, this is pretty wild. Shabbi Shmuel ben Kimchis held four kabin. Bosai, just to give you an idea, just like a rough, a rough, a kav is approximately a liter. Is approximately a liter, right? So it was a little bit less, it was a machlokas, if it's a little bit more, a little bit less. But if you could imagine, again, they're saying that his hands held four liters, four liters. We'll say, that's big big hands. Now we'll say, could could it be a bit hyperbolic? Sure, sure. It could also also be, there's also, remember, there's also any time you try to convert these shiurim, there is always a range. But in any event, just for your own illustrative purpose, just, just imagine something, imagine the leader for just a moment. So the Gemara says, 
Listen to this. Kol anoshim zerdu vizarat ima avalagad. And he would often say, all of the women zerdu. Now Rashi says over here, we'll discuss, actually we'll discuss what zerdu is in just a moment. But the zerd of his mother ultimately again rose to the roof. Now what does that mean? So I'll say, others say that they were, Rabbi Shlomo Kimchas is referring to his mother's cooking. Right? He was extolling the virtues of his mother's cooking. Specifically, again, specifically, if you go ahead and you look, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, so we'll get to it. So the Gemara says, So we'll say, listen to this. So apparently, again, this is speaking specifically about arson, which was a dish made out of grain. And he was extolling the virtues of his mother's arson. Rashi says, So I'll say, interestingly enough, apparently this was a food that was often consumed by pregnant women in an effort to give them strength. So Rabbi said, my mother not only made the best arson, she also consumed the arson when she was, when she was pregnant. And Rabbi Shalom, Rabbi Shalom Kinkos was a very strong and strapping man. So he attributed ultimately his physical prowess and size to his mother's healthy cooking and eating habits. Interesting. So the Gemara says, Our son is healthy for a person who's ill. And again, as Rashi points out, specifically pregnant women who are having a difficult pregnancy would eat the arson. Rishobin Kimchis attributes his physical vitality to his mother's cooking and consumption of arson. Good. Others say, Arson actually refers ultimately to semen. What does that mean? Okay, Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo, Rami Kisir, Rabbi Avo contrasts Pesukim. David Amal says until him, "Vatazreni chayol lemilchama, uksev hamazreni chayol lemilchama." Amar Dalv Nechalish Baruch Hu. David Amal says Nechalish Baruch Hu. Ribbono Shaolam zerisani vezerisani, which literally means zerisani means you have girded me. Siabo said the lashon of vatazreni and hamazreni. So we translate those words ultimately again as girded. But it's also the same Lashon as Zerah. David HaMelech thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for essentially, literally, Zerosani means winnowing, Vezerosani means girded me with strength. So that Baruch Hu, you know, there's millions of sperm that go to fertilize the egg, right? And only one makes it. And even then, it's not the whole sperm. It's only, Marashah brings this animal aside. It's only part of the sperm. It's interesting. I, I don't know at what point in time scientifically these things became known, but it's fascinating to see. So, David Baruch Hu, almost like Kivyachal, you took the best parts of everything to make me. So David Baruch was thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the physical gifts he had and for the emotional, intellectual gifts he had. Saying HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I recognize that so many things can happen in the formation and maturation of a child in utero. And yet HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like you winnowed, you winnowed the sperm, right? The same way that when you winnow grain, you take away the impurities, you take away the chaff. So David HaMelech was thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for, for being created physically complete and not just physically complete. David HaMelech was very handsome. David HaMelech was, was very, was, was fit. David HaMelech had, had alamilas on the physical level as well. Quite beautiful. So I will say, listen to this. Amru Allah Rabbi Shalom and Kimchis. So we'll say, now that we mentioned Rabbi Shalom and Kimchis, and again, remember, it started because of the size of his hands. Now the Gemara says, tells a couple of stories about him. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Amru Allah Rabbi Shalom and Kimchis. Pam acha siper dvarm ima ravi echad b'shok. We'll say, this is a pretty wild story. One time Rabbi Shalom and Kimchis was talking with an Arab in the shok. 
V'nitsa tsinura mipiv al begadaf. And what happened? So the you know we'll say sometimes when you're speaking with someone, so you know a little bit of a little bit of saliva comes out. So a little bit of saliva came out from this Arab and landed on his clothing. And as a result, on, on Rabbi Shalom and Kimba's clothing, as a result, so we'll say this was Yom Kippur. Now the saliva of an akum is metame. Now we'll say I know what you're thinking. Why is he in the shuk on the coin? He's the coin gadol. What is he doing in the shuk on Yom Kippur? So it's interesting. So the Marsha comments on this. The Marsha says. There must have been some communal matter of importance which ultimately required the Kohen Gadol to go ahead and speak with this particular Gentile on Yom Kippur in the marketplace. So the say tells you something really absolutely amazing about the job of a leader. It could be Yom Kippur and you could be the Kohen Gadol. But when the community needs you, you go. You go. So the Kohen Gadol left the base Hamikdash in his big day kahuna, mind you. Or I take that back. I take that back. That, that, that is not true. It doesn't have to be that. He, he was going, he probably he changed. He can't wear the big day kahuna outside of the base Hamikdash. He changed. But the point over here is he became Tame through this verbal exchange with the Arab. And what happened to Rabosai? So we'll say, interestingly enough, not, not a problem. There's a scan. Amazingly enough, who was the scan? It was his brother. It was his brother Yeshavev. Listen to this. Isn't this incredible? And their mother Kimchis, their mother Kimchis saw two of her sons serve as the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. Isn't that incredible? Granted, they're not doctors. It's true. Right? So, so, so the, pride, the pride is capped. The pride is capped. But, but Lamaisa, can you imagine that? Kimchis, the mother, that's almost completely the Shanachas. Seeing two of her sons serve in the capacity of Kohanim Gidolim on one Yom Kippur. There's a listen to this story. So we'll say another Sir Bishwam and Kimchis. One time he went out and he was speaking with someone else, Adon Echad, an important person in the Shuk. And I will say it's the same story. And again on Yom Kippur. Again on Yom Kippur. And what happens? Some spittle, some saliva from the Gentiles settles on him. And as a result, he becomes Tommy. He cannot continue in the Avoda. And what happens? His, again, it was another brother. Whatever happened to Yeshavit, it was another brother, now Yosef, who was now the Skan. Rabbi Shalom and Kimchis could not serve. Yosef, the Skan, serves. And once again, Kimchis, the mother, saw two of her sons serve in the capacity of Kohen Gadol over the course of one, of one Yom Kippur. Pretty amazing. Says, listen to this. Listen to the rice. It says, Shiva Banim Kimchis. It's incredible. Kimchis had seven sons. Vikulon Shimshu Bikahuna Gidola. We'll say all of them were Kohan Gidola. We'll say, by the way, all of them were good people, right? Because remember again, the Kuna Gidola, especially during the second base Hamikdash era, was often bought. These Kohan, her seven sons, her seven sons were righteous. Now, and I want to be clear, not all seven of them were full fledged Kohan Gidola. Remember, as you saw over here, a number of them occupied the position of Skan. Right? And occupied the position of Skan. So they served in the position of the Kunin Gidol. Remember again, we'll say, in this case over here, when the Kohen Gadol becomes Tami and Yom Kippur, the Skan comes in, right? And then how long does the Skan serve for? Right? Just until the Kohen Gadol is able to come back for service. Remember again, and that's it. That's it. I will say, then remember, we saw the interesting part. What does the Skan do after he comes back, after he's no longer needed to be the Kohen Gadol? See, he's stuck a little bit. Because remember, again, the Gemara says to go back to be a regular Kohen, you can't really do. You can't really do. See, he's kind of like, he's kind of like, 
Kohen Gadol Emeritus, right? He kind of has like Emeritus status. What are you doing? You have Emeritus status? I love, I hope, one day to find out, right? And you're at right? so, 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 you know, so what, you, what you kind of do is whatever you want. You know, you just, you know, you pop in, you pop out, you do whatever. But, but again, but we'll say, but on a serious note, you're not really vested with the authority of the position. That, that's really what it is. You, you have a title, you have a title, but no real authority. No real authority. So it says, the Gimabo says, so Kimchis had seven sons. The Kulan Shimshu Bikun Gidola, they all serve this kind of Gidola. Amru Lachachamim. Both say, this is incredible. Ma Osis Shazochis Lakach. Both say, so they ask Kimchis. Kimchis, like, obviously you must have some type of schos. You must have some type of schos that you merited to have sons who all served in the Kunina. Both say, in general, you know, when you see people, I think all of us see this, you know, when, when you see someone who you feel like really did a great job with their kids. Right? So you see, like, you ask, like, how did you do it? Because parenting is so complicated, right? And raising healthy, normal, adjusted, whatever normal means, right? Adjusted, holy spirit. It, 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 it's, it's such a malacha. So you see someone who did it, you say, Mamish, how did you pull it off? So they said to Kimchis, Kimchis, how did you manage this? So listen to what she says. So she says, She said, my hair was never uncovered in my home. Literally, again, the walls of my home never saw my uncovered hair. That's what Kimchis attributed it to. Shabbos says, so what, what, what does this mean? Kimchis attributed her ability to go ahead and raise holy children to her tznius, to, 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 to a level of modesty. Rebbe said, you ask yourself, but I don't understand, what, what does one thing have to do with the other? I mean, it's incredible. And I guess, obviously, halacha doesn't demand that a married woman cover her hair inside the home. Halacha doesn't demand that. This was clearly a, a, a heightened level of tznius. But why does that translate into raising pious children? So we'll say, if you think about this in just a moment, one of the most important midos that we convey to our children is the midah of tznius. See, both say, people think that tznius is a dress code. Tznius is not a dress code. Tznius is a midah. One of the ways that the midah manifests itself is in the way that we dress. And by the way, not just for women. Tznius is not just like a woman thing. Tznius is a man thing. Being a tsanua person means being a modest and humble individual. When I possess humility, when I possess humility, that triggers so many other positive things. If I'm humble, I realize I have more to learn. If I have more to learn, I'm open to learning from every individual. I'm open to working on myself. I realize that I have to push myself. If I'm humble, I don't get carried away with my accomplishments. I recognize that every accomplishment just shows me how much more I really can do. So I think when Kim Chis says that the walls of my home never saw my hair, she wasn't just simply saying, well, because I never uncovered my hair, and that's schus, that's a school to have pious children. No, what she was saying, although not so many words, was in my home, we are all about the midah of tznius, and not just in dress code, in approach to life. Because when you live a life and you raise a family with a midah of humility, right? when hubris has no place in the home, when arrogance has no place in the home, when we speak with humility, when we act with humility, when we live with humility, 
then ultimately that breeds Tzidkos. An incredible Yisod. So look so how the story ends. The Gemara says, Amrullah, they said to her, okay, Harbu Asakin Velo Ilu. A lot of people try that and it hasn't worked, right? So, so I'll say, so now again, and I want to, what I want to point out is remember, I'll say, this is incredible. That doesn't mean they weren't accusing her of lying, right? They weren't saying, come on. What they were just saying is, there's no like secret sauce over here, right? There's no secret recipe. First of all, different things work for different people in different times. And there is no one way to raise a holy mishpacha. There are many ways and many against. We'll say what I also just point out to you is something absolutely amazing. Rabbi Shlomo ben Kimchis, whose name is he known by? His mother's. Right? We'll say, isn't this dramatic? That's, that's not how we identify people in Gemara. Kimchis is his mother. So let's say, now again, I don't, know about his, I don't know about his father, but one thing is absolutely clear, which is his father was not the dominant role model in his life. It doesn't mean his father was a Russia. It just could mean his father was just like, whatever. You know, just an ordinary guy. And his mother picked up all of the stack. Well, so I'm just pointing out something amazing that, you know, if you think about it, there really is no excuse for not actualizing our greatness. You know, because a lot of times, you know, Sigmund Freud was not the first one to discover this idea that who we are is rooted in our parents. Right? Chazal had this much longer before Freud. It's true. Sometimes, again, we don't have great parents. It just, it just happens. Sometimes we have terrible parents. It just happens for a variety of different reasons. So, Lamais, at the end of the day, you have two good parents, one good parent, no good parents. At the end of the day, you make of yourself who you want to make of yourself. You have a family of Kohanim and Gidolim, and the father is not even mentioned. Not even mentioned. You have a group of Kohanim and Gidolim who are all known by the name of their mother. Aside from highlighting the incredible influence that a mother has over her children, a very unique and awesome influence, but also, also telling us that even from imperfect familial situations, righteousness can emerge. Let's go back to Rebosa. Incredible. Because I'm telling you, we could, we could literally spend, you could spend days on these Gimaras. There is so much to talk about over here. But it is not the four-line Yomi, right? So let's, let's go back there. So it says the Gemara. So also listen to this. It says, a handful. You cannot make a Midas. Well, so here's what's interesting. I might have thought that for efficiency purposes, I'm going to make a Kli called the Kometz, right? What's the Kometz Kli? It measures essentially an average handful. That's a Kometz, a Kumtso. You can't do that, the Gemara says. Because remember, the handful mamish has to be a real handful. Can you make... I'm sorry, that's the Kometz, I'm sorry. The Kometz, we're jumping up for a second, is the Mincha. Remember again, how do you take the Mincha? Three middle fingers, dip your fingers in, use the pinky and the thumb to shave off the sides. That's the amount that goes on the Mizbeach. You can't make a Kli... Uh, for, for a Kamitsa shear. So the Gemara Can you go ahead and make a Kli for a Khafina? Right? The Kli that represents an average handful. On one hand, by Kamitsa it says Bekumtso. It has to be a Kamitsa, not a Kli. Here it doesn't say Bekhafnav. Ella, Melo Khafnav, Kitora Samim Daka. The Torah does say you have to take a handful. And maybe a handful Dafka has to be. We need the coin to go with his hands into the Kitoras and you can't use a Kli. Olo, so the Gemara says, O Dilma, Yalif Melo Melo Mikumso. So Tashma, so we'll say, which is it? So do you have to use Dafka a handful, or can you make a Kli? So Tashma, the Kachai Samidasa, my love, Shimrat Salasos Midacharis Ose. So we'll say, doesn't that mean that what, if you want to make a Kli, that's a handful Kli, you could do so? 
to which the Gemara says, "Lo, hakin kamer v'kaf haya chosir v'chofna lifnim shamas mina achofin v'chosir v'chofin." So we'll say the fact that ultimately, again, the coin is taking repeated handfuls over the course of this process. Right, first handful from the shovel, then from the ladle, indicates to us that you cannot withdraw the kitores with a kli. That's an approximate handful shear, but rather you must withdraw the actual handful itself. To which the Gemara says, "Dilma shimrat alasos mida ose inam yishlo yechsaf shlo yosir." Or maybe the other possibility will say is that what that Allah Lamaisa, if you want to make a clea, you man you can make a clea. But Lamaisa, the ikr is that you cannot go ahead and add on or diminish the amount. So we'll say the Gemara doesn't answer the question. Lamaisa, we are going to see the same way you cannot make a kamitsa clea. You also cannot make a chafina kli. Remember again, chafina means a handful. You cannot make a kli that measures out an approximate handful. Turn around on. Melokum, so. Torah says you have to take a full komets. Yochel mavurats. So I'll say, I'm out of thought that when I take the kamitsa, we're jumping back and forth, back to the mincha. I'm out of thought that when I take the kamitsa of the mincha, I can take mavurats. So I'll say, what does mavurats mean? Mavurats means, if you can imagine, where the flour is kind of spilling out to the sides over here, right? So there's overflowing fat flour out of, my, out of my three fingers. So I'll say, I would have thought that I could bring a mavurats. Tam lover become so. Therefore, the Torah says, no, you have to bring an exact komet. So I would have thought, maybe I will say, the way I take the, the kamitsa is like this. I take the, top, the tips of my fingers, insert it into the flower, and pull out. I will say, see, my visual is over here, right? You see this amount. Maybe that's all I have to take. To which the Gemara says, You have to take a full komet, like people take a kamitsa. How do you take a kamitsa? Ha ketzad. So we'll say, what do you do? You go ahead and you dip three fingers into the fine flour. So we'll say, if you can imagine, you have a bowl of fine flour. You put your middle three fingers in there. You scoop up. And whatever gets trapped inside of those fingers, ultimately, again, is the kamitsa. That is the part of the carbon mincha that is offered up on the mizbeach. The rest of the carbon mincha will say, what's its status? That's called shirayim, leftovers. What do you do with the shirayim? That's the property of the Kohen. Over machavas, marcheshes, I will say with the minchas, machavas, and minchas, marcheshes, I will say what's, what's unique now, machavas is a, is a, these are both fried benachas. So a machavas is a flat pan fried benachas, marcheshes is a deep pan fried benachas. I will say these are more complicated. Why? Because the way you would go out and make these benachas, I will say is first, you would fry it. Then you would break it into pieces. And the coin would then do the kamitsa from the pieces. And I will say, it's much more difficult to do the kamitsa from the pieces. Why? Because Lamaisa, you scoop it up, and then what do you have? Generally, you have pieces that jut out. So what do you do over there? So we'll say, what would you do? So you would scoop up the kamitsa pieces, right? And then what you would do is you would use your pinky and your thumb, this was, uh, right, to, to go ahead and shave off the parts that were jutting out. And the Gemara says, this was the hardest avoda in the Mikdash. Because you need some good amount of finger dexterity for this, right? To go ahead and, remember, with flour, it's easy. Because flour, you just go ahead and you scoop up. And the truth is, even if you don't go ahead and use your finger and your pinky, the particles kind of just fall away. But if you're scooping up pieces, the pashtos, the pieces jut out to the sides. So I'll say, what you have to do is, you have to shave off the part that's jutting out without pulling out what? Without pulling out what? The rest of the piece that's embedded in your fingers. This is mamish like an avodah. The says, this was the hardest avodah in the mikdash. The Gemara says, Zoe Vesula, really? That was the hardest avodah in the mikdash? Vaha malika? What about malika? I'll say, now malika, that's an avodah. Remember again, what are you doing? You got that bird in your hand, right? Sharp thumbnail going through the back, 
right? Separating again the, the vertebrae, right? The backbone of the bird, but you can't, and you have to flick off the head, but you can't flick off the entire head, right? It's got to be still attached by the flap of skin on the front, right? So it's got to be, as I was saying, now that, that's an avoda kosha. It's interesting, about said, the Gemara calls chafina, the handful, also a hard avoda. It's interesting because that doesn't sound so hard. The reason it's going to be hard is because you can't spill anything. So we'll discuss that. So the Gemara says, no, so it doesn't mean to say that, that Kamitza is the hardest. It means that ultimately, again, Kamitza is amongst the harder avodos in the Mikdash. It's not the hardest, but it's part of this category of difficult malachas, of difficult um, avodos. Listen to this question. What about the, so I'll say, what about in a regular kamitza where you're going out and you're drawing fine flour? What's the status of the flour in between your fingers? Right? So I'll say, so what, what, let's say flour gets trapped in between your fingers. What's the status? Is that part of the kamitza or not? So we'll say, if it's part of your fingers but on the inside of your hand, that's not a kach, that's obviously part of the kamitza. And we'll say, if there are part of, uh, flower particles on the outside of your hand, that's certainly not part of the Kamitza. So right? if it's on the inside of your hand, it's part of the Kamitza. Outside of your hand, it's part of the Shrine, not part of the Kamitza. We'll say, what's the Shaila? Literally, the particles that get stuck in between my fingers. What's the status? It's a Suffolk. So I'll say, so again, remember, you can imagine this really very clearly with flour itself. Flour mamish gets stuck in between my fingers. So what do I do with that flour? The Gemara says, this is a suffix. Okay, what do I do with a suffix? So we'll listen to this. I'm Rabbi Hanino. Maktir chometz l'chudei t'chila v'hadra b'nabinayim. First, you go ahead and you offer up the comets first, the what that which is in your hand, and then you take the particles that were stuck in between the fingers and you offer them up separately. So the Gemara says, because ultimately, again, if you would go ahead and and offer up the particles that are between the fingers first, perhaps they have the status of shirayim, the leftover part of the carbon mincha, and say the problem is if you go ahead and you offer up or you diminish shirayim in between kamitza and the offering up of the kamitza, the carbon is ineffective. Somehow the shirayim became deficient in between the taking of the comets and the offering up of the comets. Ultimately, again, you cannot offer up the comets. So I'll say ultimately again we could apply over here the concept that halacha if you look at Rashi, ultimately again after you go ahead and offer up the comets, the shirayim should be prohibited. So how can you burn the shirayim? Ultimately, after going ahead and burning the carbon mincha, Am Rabbi Huda, Shim Ben Pazi. So we'll say. So what the Gemara is just trying to figure out is, what do you do with the suffix particles that are stuck in between your fingers? So first suggestion the Gemara makes is first offer up the kmitza, then offer up the particles. Because if you offer up the particles first, that means the shirayim is deficient before the offering up of the kmitza. And Hilchos carbon mincha is that if the kmitza becomes sorry, if the shirayim becomes deficient before the offering up of the kmitza, the carbon is invalid. That's fine, says the Gemara, but there's a problem. What's the problem? Halacha lemaisa, if I offer up the kamitza and then I offer up the shirayim, the halacha is, the halacha is, you're not allowed to offer up shirayim on the mizbeach. 
So how can you offer up the particles after the kamitz has been offered? So also listen to this. No, no, no. When you put the particles on the mizbeach, you're not putting the particles on there. Betoras mincha, but rather you're putting it, or betoras, betoras kamitza, you're putting the particles on there as what? As wood. Essentially, you're not offering it up as a sacrifice. You're just putting it on there with the status of wood. It says that when in doubt about these particles, you cannot offer them up as a carbon mincha. Because also, remember, we run into the problems, the aforementioned problems. What you can do is ultimately put them on the Mizbeach as eitzim, as wood. So also that works well according to Rabbi Eliezer. Other Rabbanah Michael Emer. I've also get ready for this. Amra Amari, the Kamtsi Shmeni. We have a great solution. We will say, you know, the only people who do kamitza, fat kohanim, right? You will say, what's the advantage of using an obese kohen? Fat fingers, right? I don't know if that's the politically correct term. You know, but you understand what I mean, right? Large, thick fingers. So I'll say, what's the great part about thick fingers? Nothing gets stuck in between. So we only use heavier kohanim, obese kohanim, for the kamitza. This way, again, we, we sidestep the entire particle issue. So the Gemara says, Hashta da'asis lahachi. Now that we came to this idea, Rabbi Eliezer, Nami lechatchila, the kansi shmeni. So the Gemara says, Wow, this is so much better. So, we'll say, so therefore, when it comes to particles, the Gemara says like this The particles on the inside of your hand, what's their status? What's their status? Right? Kamitza. Right? Kamitza, that's part of the mincha. Particles on the outside of the hand, Shiraim. Right? The Shailu's particles on the inside of the hand. So, okay, so we have an Eitza. Eitza number one is offer up the Kamitza first. And then offer up the particles, but how are you offering up the particles as what? As what? Eitzim. It's not. It's not a mincha because if you go ahead and offer it up as a mincha, it ruins everything. Offer it up as eitzim. Or the second approach says the gemara is just use kohanim with thicker fingers, right? If you use thick fingered kohanim, then Allah halamai said nothing gets stuck in between anyway and sidestep the entire shir. So also it tells you in incredible musar this will have to stop. Incredible musar. It will say sometimes in life you have to find solutions to problems. And sometimes the best solution is sidestepping the problem to begin with. Sometimes you have to find solutions. Sometimes you have to sidestep. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Gamara sarcasm. What are you putting your teeth?